Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Schull. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by the Jonathan Macri of the Knicks Film School podcast, the writer of the Knicks Film School newsletter, uh, to talk a piece he recently wrote about R.J. Barrett putting his struggles into historical context. So we get into every single aspect of his season right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So if you haven't gotten to YouTube, Thrown us a subscription. That's an important part. Check out our smiling faces. Please, 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 please do so. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Schull, a play-by-play broadcaster. Much acclaimed. I'm sure you've heard of me. Uh, My co-host is normally Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. Unfortunately, uh, he's off today. Uh, But luckily, I got someone to fill in who has quite quite a lot of experience at this whole Knicks podcasting thing. Uh, It is the fantastic Jonathan Macri, the Dean of Nick's Film School. Uh, you, you already know him. You already know where you can find all of his work. But again, Nick, Nick's Film School on social media, Nick's Film School on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. It is an invaluable source for fans and pundits alike. Uh, right there with everything on the Strickland for the best Nick's writing out there. So without further ado, uh, let's get into uh, RJ Barrett. Is he a disappointment? Uh, what more could he be doing? Uh, will he be traded uh, right now with uh, Jonathan Macri? All right. As promised, we are lucky enough to be joined by, well, not we, just me, but Jonathan <laughs> Macri of, of the Knicks Film School podcast, the Knicks Film School newsletter, which I am a reader of every single day. Uh, John, uh, thanks for coming back so quickly, man. Just just had you on for bold predictions, but appreciate you doing this. How, how's everything going? Uh, everything's good. I forget what bold predictions I made, but I'm sure they've already been proven wrong. Um, so looking forward to to revisiting those before next season so we can get some more stuff wrong. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic about my Quentin Grimes one. Everything else is I, I don't want to talk about. But um, there you go. Yeah, we can we can continue the train of pessimism because you you just wrote a, a lengthy newsletter on R.J. Barrett. It's, it's worth noting it was published a day before uh, last night's game against Oklahoma City. That was arguably his best performance of the season. But in it, uh, you you outlined where he fits in historically from an efficiency perspective uh, relative to other players who have gotten just the same amount of opportunity as him earlier in his career. And, and suffice it to say, it was not great. So I'm just going to start as broad as possible here. Uh, 18 games into his fourth season, where, where are you at on R.J. Barrett? Um, It's a good question. Uh. I think I'm at the same place that I was before the season started and that I was last season and that I was the season before that. And then that I've been at honestly, since he's been drafted, like I, let me like take even a further step back. Like I, I I have the reputation obviously is like the guy who hates RJ Barrett. I don't hate RJ Barrett. I think RJ Barrett's a really good player. I think he's a really nice player who, has upside that a few things hit and we could talk about those things. 
you know, maybe he, you know, and I've said, I think he'll chances of him making a, an all-star team or two are, are not nuts. I'm like, that's kind of where I'm at on him. But at the same time, I've never watched this player and thought to myself, oh, that's a top, that's a guy you build your team around. That's a top two guy on a, on like a contending team. And like every team is different. Like Kyle Kuzma was the third guy you could argue on a championship team from a couple years ago. Like not everybody has the third traditional banana, but I, I, I've always been of the, of the opinion that for him to reach his ceiling, like his version of his ceiling is not, in my estimation, is not what most people feel that it is. Most people feel that his ceiling is that of a star player, like a traditional star in the sense that we know stars in the game today. My, as you could hear, my daughter is, is not a fan of my RJ takes either. Um, and my view is more like he's going to need to blend being a role. Like there's going to need to be a part of him that is a role player and embrace that and be really, really good at that. And then he'll have opportunities to do some stuff that stars traditionally do, but I feel like it's gone so far in that direction. And I feel like, you know, every, like this, this season has been terrible for, for him. But like, I, again, I can't say I'm not, I'm like floored by it. Cause I just, I don't, I've never seen him as that level of star. Yeah. I, th- I think you, you hit on maybe my biggest concern and that is, I just always saw him as someone from a basketball IQ perspective and a competitiveness perspective that would retrofit his game in a way to be productive. And, and to be fair, that that's never totally borne out outside of his second season where he, he certainly sacrificed a lot to let Julia shine and, and became a really good three point shooter and had moments of really good defense. But this season what's frustrating to me is when the shot hasn't been there is that he just hasn't supplemented in other ways. And and I was really optimistic about his playmaking coming into the year. And you, you put it in the article, he's literally averaged either three or 3.1 assists every single season of his career. And with the Knicks increase in pace this season, with the increase in talent around him, it's kind of mind blowing to me that that number hasn't gone up in turn. And, And even last night when things were really clicking for him, I mean, I, I counted like, three times in the game where you saw guys wide open and one time it's Quentin Grimes, one time it's Emmanuel quickly would, when RJ was just forcing a bad shot against a double team or, or forcing yeah. a post up and they, they just kind of threw their hands in the air in, in frustration. And I, I'm just surprised he's not someone because he, he talks like someone and he acts like someone. He clearly has the basketball IQ of someone who will make the simple plays to win. And it feels like he overcomplicates it maybe just to fulfill that that preconceived notion that he has to be the star he has to be the one scoring and like and that gets into the the underlying truth of where my issues lie and again it's 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 not so much with rj but i i do feel like there has been this narrative that has been built up and that narrative and i talked about this a little bit on my pod with uh, i don't know i was on with andrew at some point after a game this week I, it all runs together after a while but like RJ is a really smart guy. He knows how he comes off. He knows the perception. And that's not an accident because he creates the perception of himself as team first all the way, like 100%, you know, unselfish, unselfish, unselfish all the way. And that narrative, I believe, is a big part of why when the notion came up of him being traded for Donovan Mitchell this summer, people were like, how in God's name can you trade this God's gift to basketball who is everything you should want in a franchise? And... I'm not saying that he is secretly this like selfish player, 
but like you need to look at the results at at, at some point, right? Yeah. And and the results, it, it'd be one thing if there was like steady incremental growth, but like I, it's crazy to say this, but like I remember watching RJ's first games as a Nick. Uh, there was a game against the Nets where he was like throwing lobs up to Mitch. Like these are passes he made in college. It's not like he can't do it. So I, I don't, I don't even know. It like it, this is not like a waiting for a skill development thing. There's something else going on here, which is why one of the qualifiers I used is guys who have an assist percentage under a certain amount. I think I used under an assist percentage of 15 because like you could look at like guys who have started out their career, putting up a bunch of shots and not making very many of them. Um, and a bunch of them are like guys who went on to become really, 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 really great point guards. Guys like John Wall, Jason Kidd. Um, I'm trying to think of like, oh, Russell Westbrook. Like these guys shot abysmally coming out of the gate as, as pros, but they had such a lot, so much to offer as a creator of offense for other players around them, that that's just not the reality with RJ. So I just think it, that needs to be factored into the conversation. That's all. Yeah. I think part of my concern at times is that it looks a little bit better when he's not on the floor with Julius, but not that much better. And I thought in past years, sometimes like passing would become a little contagious with him and you'd see him get run with the, with the Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. And all of a sudden, yeah. like he could kind of seamlessly transition his game to fit more so in with those guys. And at least in my mind, I mean, the, and I would assume in yours too, the model of the Knicks being good long-term is a team obviously more like that, unless they find like that heliocentric star that, that is oh so hard to find. Um, and it's RJ. Well, that's what they were two years ago. Yeah. Like two, two years ago, RJ, like I remember, you remember too, like we were having conversations, like who's the second best player in the Knicks this year? Like I know RJ was supposed to be the second, but it's like, yeah, there were nights where it was like, oh, is it Alec Burks? Is it Reggie Bullock? It, yeah. You know, is it, and that's 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 a nice vision, I think. All right. When we come back with John, I want to go a little bit more macro. Did the Knicks potentially miss their window in terms of turning R.J. Barrett into a star piece? But first, I want to tell you the number one move you should make if you want to drive a fun car. And that is Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles from just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. Many Dura hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Right. And that's, and isn't that kind of supposed to be a strength? Is that Swiss army knife? Or at least I, again, I, it's, it's very hard for me to tell like what, what is my idealized version of him versus what is the reality we've had through 3.4 seasons or I mean, however deeper into the season. Um, and I, my, my vision is like the Swiss army knife that, all right, you can put him in a lot of different lineups and and he can accommodate his skill set to those lineups. Like he could be a two, he could be a three, he could be a four, he could be more of a passer, he could be more of a driver, he could be more of a spacer. And again, like he's seemingly kind of put himself into this grouping in his mind. And I, I guess that is to ask, do you have any optimism? Like, let's just say the Knicks do find a way to get Julius off the team. How many of these problems go away when he's consistently playing with guys who are quick decision makers and, and simply just has more shooting and more spacing around. Him. I, I mean, it's a good question. I, 
like let's say he was in a five out offense right yeah like you'd be like okay well that would help him a lot um how often has Jalen Brunson been in a five out offense this year I mean he's played was he played maybe half of his minutes with Isaiah Hardenstein and I don't know that I'd consider Hardenstein a true like our team's treating Hardenstein as a stretch five like they would treat like let's say Mike Muscala as a stretch five like that dude is a shot maker and he was a shot maker from the day he I mean he took a year or two for him to like really fill into his role but like you know, I looked it up today amongst guard he's hitting like 56 percent or 57 percent of his two-point shots like that dude's a, a bucket getter and he needs to be a bucket getter because he doesn't stretch the floor, which if you're a little guard, you don't stretch the floor in ways that most guards in the league do. Like, you have to be great at that. So when I go then to, to look at RJ, like, okay, let's take Randall off the team. Let's even put him next to a floor spacing five all the time. Well, that takes away his role threat. And you could argue that his biggest strength as a playmaker through four years, three, three years and change has been his lobs to Mitch. It's really the only live dribble passes that he makes. He doesn't make live dribble passes to the perimeter. If anything, he stops, pivots, and then flings it out to a guy in, in maybe the weak side corner or whatever. And that's good. That's good stuff. Um, I don't know. It, I always come back to the efficiency. I can't escape the efficiency. And that was the main crux of what I what I really found because it's not even fair to look at his efficiency versus other guys who have taken a bunch of shots over the first several years of their career – and had like an effective field goal percentage under something because um, you look at league average effective field goal percentage over the years of RJ's career versus literally any other time, like yeah. before the last four years. And it's insane. And he's six and a half percent below like six and a half percentage points, not percent, six and a half percentage points below league average for effective field goal percentage over the course of his three years and change. That is that's that's a lot for a guy that has taken this many shots. So I, I don't know. I don't see the stardom that other people see because I just like counting stats to me, like you could, sorry about that. Um, you can, no, we're, get, we're, we're all upset about it. I know we're exactly. She's upset about the, RJ, but, but like, that's the thing is like when people like, I, okay, look, I'm sorry. I'm going off on like a tangent here, but like, it's so easy to find really nice, groupings for RJ just using counting stats. And especially when you look at his age. So you're like, how many 19 year olds have this many points and this many rebounds and this many assists before a certain age. And you're going to find his name next to guys like Jason Tatum and like LeBron James and like all like these, you know, Luka Doncic. But then when you dig in and you look at, I mean, forget about the advanced stats, the advanced stats paint a very ugly picture. Just look at the efficiency. And then if you go a step further than that, which it's you have to really dig deep, is it's not just the efficiency. It's the efficiency factoring in how many of his shots are self-created and how, as you pointed out two years ago, you said he sacrificed. I could, I could argue that it's the opposite of sacrifice. I think you could argue that he had the benefit of being out there behind the arc, just waiting, catch and shoot. Like those catch and shoot numbers off of Julius kickouts have – helped his career efficiency so much mm. and he didn't have to do anything other than stay on three-point line wait for the ball and fire away that's not what makes a star a star is someone who takes the ball and creates offense now there's a lot of nick fans who will be like oh it's randall oh it's thibodeau's on creative offense assistant it's that like stars are going to be stars under any coach with any lineups like that, that's just what 
they are. And you, I mean, again, you want to tell me like it's coming. I just, I can't, I can't say that with the data that I have, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. Yeah. So I guess that maybe brings up a version of the same question, but what do you do going forward? If you're the New York Knicks with that knowledge, because to me, it's, it's one of the most dangerous things in sports, right? The, especially in a city like New York, the guy who was the number three pick who yep. is sort of working out, right? Because you can, to your point, yeah. On the right night, the the right 10-minute stretch, you could totally talk yourself into the shot against Boston last year. Um, like a, a, any yeah. night, basically, that he's shooting well from three. Uh, when he drives down the lane and, and jams it in someone's face, you you have those flashbulb moments where you say, yep, that's what it's supposed to look like. This yeah. this is a star in New York City. And because everything off the court is is perfect, is unquestionable with the dude. Like he he's a leader. He's an alpha, but he's also just seemingly a fantastic person. It's so hard to separate that. And I feel like I'm going to go cross sport here. I feel like you get that with quarterbacks all the time where you have that person who's likable. They get the big win against the Cowboys on the road. But then four or five years in and with RJ's even sooner, but you start getting that sneaking suspicion like, all right, maybe, maybe it's just not going to work. And in football, obviously, it's all the more pressing because the quarterback is the quarterback. But in the basketball, the star player is the star player. And right now, yes. RJ, even if he's not the number one, he occupies that spot in the Knicks ecosystem. So did they... And look, there was there was a ton else there, but did they miss their window this summer with the chance to uh, use them as a key piece in a star trade? Well, hmm. did they miss their window to use them as a key piece in a star trade? Uh I don't I don't think they missed their window. I I don't think they missed their this is gonna come off not well. <laughs> I don't think they missed their window because I don't think that window was ever really open. I think they wanted that window to be open. And Danny Ainge was like, we like RJ Barrett. Obviously they liked him enough to the point that when the Knicks extended him, Danny was like, well, now at this point you got to throw in whatever extra firsts or, you know, two young players to make up for him. So they liked him, which is a compliment to him. Cause I, I don't know. I think Utah knows how to evaluate talent pretty well. Danny Ainge has a pretty good track record of evaluating talent, but like, the Knicks wanted RJ to be worth like two or more than two, like two and a half future first round picks of their own in that trade. And it seemed like the Jazz were valuing him more at like, no, we think RJ is worth like one, maybe one and a half future first round picks. So I don't I don't know that the window was ever open in the way that the Knicks wanted it to be open. Do I think his value is going to like tank? Like, no, I don't think his value is going to tank. I think his shot selection is really good. Like the fact there is a, uh, let me give him a compliment. Yeah. The fact that you could run plays for the dude where he gets downhill so easily, you can't stop him from getting downhill. Like he's, if he, if you run up, you know, all the, all the actions that they run for him, the, you know, the pistol sets or whatever, they just get him going downhill and get him ahead of steam. Like he's going to get a shot at the rim. And most of the time it's probably going to be a good shot. And, like, is he that far off from, like, making the extra pass, like, on the shots that he shouldn't take and, like, making a few more? Like, no, he's not. So that, like, I think that's why people are really encouraged because if you get that, plus you get the the, the the role player type stuff, like, that is a dude who maybe could be a number three on the right team in the right situation if the shot comes along. He has to hit open shots. Like, there's no, there's no question. And he has to defend, too. Like, that's the other thing. Like he hasn't yeah. defended worth a goddamn this year. And honestly, I think his defense has been a little overrated throughout his career. All this is to say, could they still use him in a star trade? Yeah, but I don't I don't think you're, you're like it's never gonna be like 
you know, a one for one or, you know, with players and like a couple of picks, like what the Knicks, I think, wanted to do. I don't I don't think that's ever going to happen. All right, guys, we're going to come back one final time with John to answer. What does this look like if it goes right for R.J. Barrett? If he rebounds, is there, is there a certain player comp, a, a certain template that he can fit into? Uh, but first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at betonline as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix and what i wanted to look at some very specific odds will an nba player score over 60 points in a regular season game this year yes minus 180 no plus 140 I think Steph is going to do it at some point. He has been so electric to start this season. I, I just can't imagine that there, there's a night where he doesn't hit, I don't know, 14 threes and, and gets most of the way there. I, I think Steph's going to pull it off. So head to the website today if you agree with me or if you disagree with me or use a mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you, you you preempted my next question. Like, let's let, let's talk some reasons for optimism. Um, last year, I was, I was going through uh, the the Knicks Film School newsletter, actually, that Tom Piccolo wrote for you guys on RJ. Nice. I was saying, like, all right, are, are, like, how many of these things are still true? That that Tom, who's, who's a very smart guy, was optimistic <laughs> about this offseason. Um, last year, post-All-Star break, he was fourth in the league in drives per game. This year, he's down to 13th. But last year, post-All-Star break on those drives, he was shooting 39.7%. This year, he's up to 48. Six percent on those drives. So that is obviously yep. a dramatic jump. Um, he's fallen from fifth in the league to sixteenth in the league in transition points per game. But last year he was at one point one one points per possession. This year he's at 0.86 points yep. per possession. That's that's weirdly a reason for optimism for him because I, I just don't think he can continue to be that bad defensively. It's almost the same thing where I want to blame the recent illness, even though his defense wasn't good before that. But he's been particularly poor since he's gotten sick. So. That is to say, if if this gets better and and you you end this season fairly happy with RJ and say, all right, he kind of like he it looked really bad for a sec, but he righted the ship. What do you think that that ultimately looks like to you on the court? Um, I think the hot I I I I, I had like dreams of Jimmy Butler in my head, uh, you know, like like a lot of people. I I just. Man, and I know I, I get it. RJ is twenty two. Jimmy was what? He was twenty two when he came into the league, right? And he took a year and or maybe really close to two years where he really wasn't playing a lot. I, I don't. I I can't get there anymore. Um, Jimmy's just such a unique. He's just such a unique animal. I think like, like you look at a guy like DeRozan. DeRozan's another guy that really struggled from the field over the first four years of his career. His effective field goal percentage over his first four years was forty six point two. RJ's has been thus far uh, 47 flat. Now, obviously that, again, the league average stuff, league average has gone up a lot. So like the Rosen was be much better in comparison to league average. It was still bad. Still, still not good. And I think he had the reputation of being a guy that was, you know, maybe not a ball hog, but like if you look at his, just his assist per game over his first four years, 0 0.7, 1.8, 2.0, 2.5. And this is a guy who went on for his season, his second last season with the Spurs to average almost seven assists a game. Um, so like I, I could, and you know, this is a five-time all-star. Like he's a really good player. I, I think of like something like that. I, I, do I think he's going to get to that level by the end of this year? No, I don't think he's going to get to that level by the end of this year. I think for him this year is just about just writing this, writing the ship and establishing like 
what is he? What is he as a basketball player? Because we had this version of him as a rookie, which was just very bad. And then the version of him in his second year, which is very helpful in a lot of ways. But again, it was playing off of the strengths of his teammates and they would occasionally run plays for him, which went so, so. And then last year there was this like explosion as this on ball 30 usage guy that didn't result in team success, him scoring all those points and like taking all those shots. But you know, it looked like a path to something. So I just like, after this year, I just want to know what RJ Barrett is. That's all I would want to know if I was the Knicks. And even if you're not planning on keeping him, because if you could answer that question, if we could answer that question, if the Knicks could answer that question, then I think teams around the league will have an easier time answering that question. And he'll make himself like a more certain trade candidate because like, again, unpopular take. I don't think RJ Barrett is long for this franchise. I think they're going to flip him at some point. I just... It's just like looking at how they're planning on build. If they were planning on doing it a different way, that'd be one thing. But with the fact that they are clearly planning on going to get multiple stars using young players, draft assets, the whole thing, I would just be really surprised if RJ didn't find himself in, in, you know, a deal at some point in the next couple of years, you know, maybe I'm wrong. No, I think, I think it's fair just in the sense that, and, and it's not even, it's it's an unfair comparison on my part because RJ plays so differently than these guys, but Quentin Grimes, I mean, two games in and Cam Reddish have just been better players than him this year. And, and again, like that's tough because you're not asking Cam's not taking 20 shots a game, but Cam weirdly enough for the guy who is always deemed as not having any self-awareness and RJ is the one who's considered immensely self-aware Cam's been the more self-aware player. Like he he plays exclusively to his strengths, doesn't do a lot more. Grimes is like one of the more self-aware young players I've seen in, in recent memory Incredible. on this team. I mean, to me, that that and his decisiveness are amongst his greatest skills. And, and obviously in, a, in an ideal world, like you could have all three of those guys in the same lineup and it, it would look really but, good on the perimeter. And there's a but you Julius Rent. You could throw quickly in there too. You could oh, throw yeah, quickly into that yeah. group. Like those are three guys who have defended their asses off this year. Yeah. Have, have any of them have like Grimes obviously hasn't been on the court, but quickly hasn't had a good offensive season from a, just a shot making point of view. Yeah. Cam's been good. You know, he, he has some horrendous misses. God, oh my God. His, his misses make RJ Barrett look like freaking Jerry West. Um, But like when he takes shots that he shouldn't take, but like there is like the offense has been pretty good. Imagine if RJ came out and defended like those guys this year, yeah. you know, like how different would the conversation around him? I know for me personally, it would be very different. If I'm like, listen, he's going through it, sick slump, justifying contract, whatever. Look at what he's doing on the defensive end of the court. And we can't say that because like it's, it has not been good. That's to me, the probably the most discouraging part, but that I hope that gets better too. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I've been saying the same thing about him and Randall for two seasons now, and I, I hate to group those two guys together, but like, no, if they just again played hard and played unselfishly, I don't think anyone would no. really ever complain despite them being pretty much the two least efficient fulcrums in basketball. Like yep. the bar is, is just, is not that high here. And especially because you can flank them with guys like those three who are very efficient and are very good shooters from the perimeter. And you just, at least I have a sense that there's this like, exponential effect that could be had from every player on the court playing that way. And we saw it against the nuggets when Randall was going all out like yes. that, like it's really this team, despite everything. And despite, I mean, you, you've made this point and many others have like arguably having like the least like future star equity of any team in the league. There's still, there's a really fun team here when they all play hard and they all play focused and they all play together. We just haven't seen that a lot. And a big part of the frustration is RJ, the face of the franchise has, has been the face of that 
issue as well. I know um, Zach Lowe threw out Jeremy Grant as as like, or maybe he's just he's that kind of guy, which I would be okay with that outcome at this point. For me, it's just like his his skill level just has to be so high offensively to to compensate that relentless drive and to make up for a lack of touch that admittedly has seemingly gotten a little better this season, both at the rim and in his short mid range. And then, and then, yeah, he just has to do the simple things like to your point, like, like even, even those passes you said he hasn't been making the first few games of the season, he threw some brilliant, like, like live dribble one hand, like whipped to the opposite corner. Like, yeah, I think that is in his bag, but it's also, it's this weird dilemma of like, all right, to your point, he's so much younger than Jimmy Butler was. But it means something when a guy's been in the NBA for four years and those That's, things aren't happening consistently. It's fair yeah. to ask, will will they ever happen? Um, but but John, uh, I'm gonna let you go. Any any final thoughts on that? And then can you just tell everyone uh, where they can find all your work? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you can find me at anything that says Nick's Film School. Um, so Nick's Film School newsletter on Substack, News Nick's Film School podcast, Nick's Film School YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Um, and what am I? I'm on Twitter too. For as long yeah. as Twitter shows, it's, it's, right, it's right on the graphic. If you're watching on YouTube, there you so go. Like, yeah, JC Macri MBA. Yeah, at JC Macri MBA. Like, I, I, the conversation has gotten pretty ugly, and I'm a part of that. I host the post game show, and I like have had some harsh things to say about RJ this year. Like, it doesn't need to be this way, but I feel like it has developed into this because there are so many people who have touted him as a star and that if you are a Nick fan and you do not believe RJ Barrett is a star, well, then you are an idiot or an <laughs> both. Sorry. I probably shouldn't curse on the show. Um, <laughs> you can bleep that out if you want, um, which I, that that's the part to me. That's really, truly been unfortunate. Um, and I just w- wish we could kind of reframe the conversation around this player to the point that if he ends up like Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes or, Andrew Wiggins or, you know, I'm trying to think of like other guys that are in that kind of range. Like I, Kyle Kuzma, he's, you know, Kyle Kuzma is going to, someone's going to pay Kyle Kuzma 20 something million dollars this summer. Like you could write that, take that to the bank. It's going to happen. Um, Like these like really, really helpful third, fourth best players on a contending ish team. Like these are guys who earn $20 million a year in the NBA and whose teams are happy to pay them $20 million a year in the NBA. If that's RJ's destiny and maybe a little upmarket version of those guys, like that's that's fine. Like I I don't think and and I think if we if everybody just kind of accepted that, then when you have the stretches where he doesn't look great, it's like okay, it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, like part of that also is on RJ, where he and, and the coaching staff. To be very clear, like Tibbs. You know, people talk about his unending leash with Randall. It's like kind of has been the same thing with RJ. Like there, there. It's okay if on this night it's like okay, RJ, you're not closing the game. And I understand he didn't close the game against Oklahoma City. And there's also a whole other Randall dynamic with this, where it's like there's different rules for Randall than everybody else. I, it's all complicated. I get it. It's all complicated. But there needs to be some level of self awareness, organizational awareness, just awareness. Period. Over like. Like once the further we move away from this face of the franchise thing, the more productive a player and like just happier watching experience. I think we'll, we'll all have, because I don't think the numbers are ever getting to the point where he's, you know, the sort of player that some people have made wanted to make it out to me. And guess what? If they get there, people like me get to eat crow for the eternity of our days. Happily. And, <laughs> you know, uh, happily I'll be, I'll be, the, I'll be sitting there with a knife and fork every night. <laughs> 
Uh, no, that's the last thing I want to say. But and thank you for having me on. That's the other thing. I want yeah, to say. yeah. Thank you, thank you for coming on. This was great. Uh, Jonathan Macri, Nick's Film School. Check them out. Uh, every everywhere content could be found. There, there there's talk of a TikTok, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll have you back soon. Jonathan. Oh yeah, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs>